0: Uh, welcome to Grace Time. My name is Jonathan. I'd like to welcome uh, all of our campuses, our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, our online campus. If you're watching online, let us know where you're watching from. We want to connect with you. And hello to our Azor campus. Azor in the house? Yeah. You guys awake this morning, ready, ready to rock and roll? We're talking today about getting back to fellowship, getting back to relationships, and we're talking about the importance of small groups. I, I think now more than ever, it's important for us to, to be in a small group and to be connected with other people. And as Josh said, we have small groups for everybody. It doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. You could be just getting started in your relationship with Jesus Christ, or you could have been a follower for Jesus Christ for, for 30 or 40 years. We have a small group for you, and I'd absolutely love for you to get into a small group. Here, here's the big idea today. Here's the big takeaway today is we are better together. Okay, we are better together. God created us to have a relationship with Him, and God created us to have relationships with each other. Now, I, I want to draw this on the board just to illustrate this uh, for us today. And so fir- first and foremost, we have this vert- vertical relationship. We want to be in right relationship with God. We want to be connected to God, uh, We talk to God through prayer, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And God talks to us through His Word. So He created us to have this, this relationship with Him, this connection with Him. And then He, then he created us to have horizontal relationships, relationships uh, with each other. Of course, Jesus Christ and His death on the cross, He's the center of our lives. He's the power source. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, So he, He's the center of our lives. And then we have relationships with others. We have relationships with non-Christians. It's important for us to, to dominate our community with the love of Jesus Christ. The, the big Bible word for this is evangelism. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that we want to be people of peace. We're either opening doors or we're telling people about Jesus. And then we have a relationship with Christians. And the biblical name for that is... Fellowship. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about fellowship. I want to talk about relationships with other Christians. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. God created us for fellowship, God created us to do life. Together And in this series, Back to the Future, we've we've gone back to the book of Genesis in the beginning and and the start of everything. And and week one, uh, we looked at God created Adam in his own image, and God created us to have a relationship with him. We talked the first week about getting back into that relationship with God, getting back into his presence, getting back into fellowship with God, getting back into the Word of God. And then in Genesis chapter 2, God gives Adam his mission in life, to rule the earth, to tend the garden. Right? He gives him purpose. He gives him meaning. We talked last week about getting back to who it is that God created us to be. Get back to what he created us to do. That he created every single one of us to do something that only we can do. So we want to get back to our God-given calling. Get back to our mission. Right, And then Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the creator of the universe says, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And all the husbands at all of our campuses said, amen, right? I mean, it, we're so glad that God created these, uh, these helpers for us. And hopefully all the wives are saying, praise God, too. I don't know. We've, we've been sheltering in place and spending lots of, lots of time together. The wives may not agree with us. And, of course... God is establishing the marriage relationship. It's the first institution that God established. But I think there's a more basic biblical principle here, a basic truth here. The creator of the universe says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be in isolation. It's it's not good for us to spend extended periods of time by ourselves. And in fact, when when we do something wrong, the punishment is to be by yourself, to be put into isolation. I, I remember when I was a kid, or those of us who have kids and our kids do something wrong, what do we say? Go to your room, right? Like, like, like we put them in time out. I, I remember when I was a kid growing up at Green Acres Elementary School in Long Beach, Mississippi, and Little Johnny House, we'd get in trouble at school. The teacher would draw a circle on the board, and i just put my nose in the circle, I don't think the teachers can get away with that anymore. I remember getting paddled by the vice principal at the school. Isolation. When when prisoners do something wrong, they have poor behavior in prison. They go to solitary confinement, right? They go to isolation. It's not good for man to be alone. God created us to have relationships, relationships with each other. I want to read this uh, part of this excerpt from an article uh, from Pastor Dave Ferguson, Central Christian Church. And this is what the article says. It says, in the 13th century, okay, so we got a little history here, a little little history lesson. In the 13th century, the German king Frederick II conducted a diabolical experiment to discover what language children would naturally grow up speaking if they were never spoken to. And he was sure it would be German. Okay, So so if kids were never spoken any language, they don't hear any other language, He, he was convinced, it just seemed obvious to him, that they would grow up speaking German. And so to prove it, King Frederick took babies from their mothers at birth and placed them in the care of nurses who were forbidden to speak in their presence. He also imposed a second equally cruel rule. The nurses were not allowed to touch... The infants. They were instructed to leave them alone with no physical or emotional contact. Due to the horrific response, Frederick had to cut his experiment short. The tragedy revealed something very significant regarding human nature. As you may have guessed, the babies never grew up to speak any language because they all died. It was the Italian historian... Salabam de Adam, in 1248, who made this scientific observation about the infants in Frederick's inhumane study. They could not live without petting. The babies literally died for a lack of human touch and being left alone. Even modern science is now proving that humans are better together, that we are literally engineered to be with one another, and that we actually flourish when we spend time in the presence of others who love us. Sadly, the opposite is true when we're left alone, a phenomenon modern science calls failure to thrive. We are better together. We not simply just want to get by in this life. We want to thrive. We want want to soar on wings like eagles. We want to live the abundant life in Christ. We're better together. And I believe the same is true as as the experiment with no physical contact. I believe the same is true with spiritual contact. Uh, If we apply this truth to the Christian faith, if a Christian who has no fellowship with other Christians, if a Christian is left alone with no connection, no communication with other Christians, his or her faith will die right? That's why fellowship is so important. That's why it's so important for us to to gather together as a church and to worship. We We are better together. We need each other. We need fellowship. If you're taking notes, point number one is we need friendships. We need friendships. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The Bible says that two are better than one. And King Solomon, in all of his wisdom, says, pity the person who falls and has no one to help him up. We all need friends, we all need someone to do life with. Now, when I was younger, there's a popular TV show called Friends. Right? You guys remember, y'all remember remember? the show with uh, Joey and Chandler and Ross and Monica and Rachel and, and Phoebe? Like These folks were, were about my age and, and we could relate to them because it's just friends doing life together. We all need friends. Even superheroes need friends. You remember the super friends? They formed the Justice League, right? Because they couldn't do life together. You got Superman and and Batman and Robin and Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Wonder Twin Powers activate. Do y'all, do y'all remember this? Like, we need friends. Secondly, we need friends who are real people. Right? Like, we need, we need friends. We need to be friends with people who are actually real. Like, real people. I, I remember back the Tom Hanks movie, Castaway. You remember he was on this deserted island by himself, and he became best friends with Wilson. You know, Wilson, the, the volleyball. And he's, in, he, like, Wilson becomes his, becomes his best friend. It, it's been such a strange year. We've had this nationwide shelter in place. Some, some of our church members are still uh, sheltering in place. Which Jennifer went, you know, she's trying her best to, to visit people. She went and saw Miss... Pat, who normally sits right here, she was asking if somebody was sitting in her seat. And we said, yeah, the colors are sitting in your seats. And uh, she made me one of those yellow cakes. And Jennifer brought it, brought it home to me. We miss, we miss you, Miss Pat and Fred. We have a lot of people who are sheltering in place. And I've been hearing stories and rumors of people like, like they love quarantine. Like they're living their best life. I'm, here, I'm hearing of these teenage boys, like they're playing video games all day long. I'm, I'm hearing of people watching like, like eight seasons of one show on Netflix in one day. I'm like, that's not healthy, right? We need friendships. We need relationships. We need to interact with real people. I was talking to my 21-year-old daughter, Julia, uh, recently, and she was telling me about these friends of hers, this couple named Marcus and, and Kristen. And she was telling me about this accident they had. And I thought she was talking about this young couple in our church. And I said, well, do we need to reach out to them? Do we need to take them a meal? And she said, Dad, they live in California. And I said, oh, how do you know them? Do they, do they go to your school? Did you, did, you, did you meet them at summer camp? And she said, no, Dad, they're on YouTube. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, I said so, you, so you really don't know them? She said, Dad, everybody knows them. Like, we need to be friends with, like, real, actual people, not these YouTube celebrities, which I I don't even know what that is. We need friendships with the right people. We just don't need any friendships. We need to be friends with the right people. We need to be friends with like-minded people, people who have the same beliefs that we have. People who have the same values that we have. Our kids need to be friends with other kids who have the same family values that we have. We need to be friends with true followers of Jesus Christ. People who don't just talk the talk, but people who walk the walk. People who don't just give lip service to being a follower of Jesus, but who back it up with with their lifestyles. We need need to be friends with people who are seeking to know God and and, and make God known, that are wanting to dominate our community with the love of Jesus Christ. We need Christian friends who will challenge us spiritually, that after we spend time together, that that we have a greater desire to want to know God more. Proverbs 27, 17 says, "...as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens," or one person sharpens another." We need to be friends with, with the right people, like-minded people. We also need to be friends with people who have godly character, people who have godly, Christ-like character. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We become like the people we spend time with. We want to spend time with people who have solid, Christ-like character. If you're around somebody who's always talking bad about other, per- other people, you're around somebody, they're, they're always complaining, they're always spreading rumors, they're always spreading lies. That's not the kind of person that you want to be friends with. Because when they're not with you and they're with somebody else... They're doing the same thing. They're talking bad about you. Proverbs sixteen twenty three says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. It's not wise to be friends with someone who's a gossip. It's not wise to be friends with someone who's constantly stirring up conflict. We need friends who are wise. We need friends who are wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. If we hang out with friends who make poor decisions, that don't make wise decisions, that brings lots of pain and suffering into our lives. We need friends who are healthy. We need friends who are healthy. Romans 1, 12, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I I love that phrase, mutually encouraged. That when you spend time with someone, not only are you encouraging them, but they're encouraging you. Not only are you spurring them on toward love and good deeds, but they're spurring you on toward love and good deeds. We need give and take relationships, relationships that are mutually beneficial. Because if you have a friendship where it's just you're just giving, 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 and giving, and you're never receiving anything back, that's not a friendship. That's a ministry. And ministry is great, right? We need to minister. We need to minister to the least of these. We need to minister those who can't, who can't give back to us. But when it comes to friendships, we need healthy friendships. We need healthy friendships. Give-and-take relationships, relationships that are mutually beneficial. And we need friends who are positive and encouraging. First Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. We need friendships that are encouraging, friendships that are positive, Friendships that build us up. I mean, there's so much negativity in the world right now. We don't need to spend a lot of time with negative people. I call them VDPs, very draining people. right? Because you spend spend time with these people and they just drain the energy out of you. Uh, I love John Gordon. I don't know if you're familiar with John Gordon. He's an author. Uh, He's all about positivity. And he's written this book called The Energy Bus. And he talks about the energy bus, and he uses the illustration that, that you know you're the driver of your own bus and your own mission, your own task, and you're living the best life possible. And he talks about getting the energy vampires off your bus. The energy vampires, people are always complaining, always negative. The people who just, just suck the life out of you, right? So that's why getting these people off of your bus. And if you can get them off of your bus, I encourage you to get them off of your bus. Now, some people we can't get off of our bus, right? Because they're family or friends or whatever, and you know, people are elbowing each other. <laughs> You've got to set up boundaries, right? You've got to set up the right, the right boundaries. But we want to be friends with positive, encouraging people. Like, 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 if you spend time with someone and, and you leave that conversation and, and you leave that relationship... Are you just like completely worn out and exhausted? Or are you lifted up and you're built up and you're encouraged? Those are the kind of people we want to spend time with. People people that are going to lift us up and be positive and be encouraging. Let's talk about some practical things when it comes to friendships. I I want to talk about risk and rewards. The risk and the rewards of friendships relationships are risky let's let's just go ahead and be honest and address the brutal facts like relationships are risky some of the greatest pain that we have experienced in our lives is because of broken relationships And I think we've all experienced this tremendous amount of pain from broken relationships. It could be a a broken relationship with a spouse that becomes an ex-spouse. It could be a broken relationship with a child. It could be a broken relationship with a parent. It could be a broken relationship with a sibling, a a brother or a sister. It could be a broken relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be the betrayal of of a trusted friend. One of the most painful experiences of my life has been the betrayal of a, of a trusted friend. And I think everybody can relate. And I'm so grateful that my Savior Jesus Christ can relate. Because Jesus Christ was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And the older we get, we're, we're all going to experience these, these Judas Iscariots in our lives. And so, so what happens when you're betrayed or what happens when your heart is broken by a friendship or by a relationship? The natural thing to do is to, like, tighten the circle. Right? Okay, we've we got we to gotta tighten up this circle. <laughs> because I don't want to get hurt again. I'm going to be very careful who I let in to my circle. Because relationships are very risky. And every time you put yourself out there, there's the risk of getting hurt. Even, even in simple ways. Like, like if you text a friend, there's the risk that they're not, they're not going to text you back. Right? You call a friend, there's a risk that that friend's not going to call you back. You invite a couple to, to dinner there's the risk that they're not going to reciprocate, that they're not going to invite you back. There's tremendous risk to relationships. Another huge risk is if you share something confidential with somebody, there's the risk that they're not going to keep it confidential. I think many of us are guarded in our relationships. There's a tremendous amount of risk in relationships. Friendships are built on trust. But relationships are also extremely rewarding. Some of the best experiences of my life have been in the context of relationships. Like doing life with other like-minded people. Like knowing God and making God known with with other like-minded people. Having these relationships are are risky, but I think the rewards outweigh the risks. Like joining a small group, it's a very risky endeavor, especially the first time you're in a small group. (laughs) And the first time a small group is meeting, and, it, and it's so awkward. Of course, Jen, Jennifer and I have been involved in hundreds of small groups. And what's really interesting is, is people ask me, who pastors the pastor? Who shepherds the pastor? Because, you know, the, the, the pastor's got to take care of the flock, Right? Well, who shepherds the pastor? One of the things that Jennifer and I have learned over the years is it's our small group. And yes, we're the leaders of our small group, but over time as we get to know our small group and we develop these relationships with them, they become mutually beneficial. About a year and a half ago, we were having small group Actually, at Steve and Kim Sexton's house. And it was a normal small group. We had a big meal. I think it was Brunswick stew and chili. And we always have dessert. And some people make homemade desserts and some people do store-bought desserts. I'm not judging either way. Um, (laughs) But we had a big meal. And we had our normal small group in the living room. We discussed the sermon. We discussed the word of God. We, We caught up. And then we're taking prayer requests. And Jennifer decides to open up for me, which I didn't really appreciate that at the time. But Jennifer says, y'all need to pray for Jonathan. Because he's not doing very good. And I wasn't doing very good. I was depressed and I was discouraged. And I was thinking about quitting the pastorate quitting the ministry and moving to the beach. And I remember I started crying in the middle of their house. And it was so encouraging for me because we saw spiritual leaders step up in our small group and gather around me and lay hands on me, about 24 hands on me, as I'm bawling in the middle of the living room, and my small group's praying for me. My small group is encouraging me. My small group is being there for me. And that's what small group does. The risks are great, but the rewards are even greater. Having a group of people that you know, love, and care for you, And you know that if you picked up the phone and you called them, that they would come to your house, or they would come and do whatever you need to do, whatever you need them to do right then. A group of people to do life together. Church is great, right? We're gathered for worship. Rows are great, but circles are better. Okay? Okay. I encourage every single person to get into a small group. We want to share a video here, a testimony of Steve and Miriam Nelson. They're one of our small group leaders at the Walton campus. And they had two tragedies uh, in their small group over, over this past year. Uh, one of their small group members, uh, Ricky Brown, died in a tragic... Uh, he was driving his UPS truck on Interstate 20, and he lost his life tragically about a year ago. And then uh, Pam Gillette uh, was battling cancer and she passed away just a few months ago. And here's Steve and Miriam sharing a little bit about their small group.
1: This past year has been a rough year for us in small group. Uh, We've had two of our small group members pass away, and they will, the loved ones who are still here, will tell you if it wasn't for small group, Mm -hmm. they, they couldn't have made it.
2: Yeah, and I think that's where you get to experience the goodness of God and the faithfulness of Jesus as well. In all of the celebrations of life, in birth, in marriage, um, in watching your children grow into the people that God's called them to be, in praying for those children and watching God answer those prayer requests in ways that we couldn't have even thought of. Small Group has been a way that we've come together and as Steve just said, we eat together, we pray together, we love on each other, we do fun things together in life, and um, and they truly are um, our small group are our friends. They are. They're the people in life that we call on in those moments. Um, yeah, they are absolutely there in the good and the bad.
1: Well, honestly, we could not have made it through this season of life without our small group. You know, we didn't have a loved one pass away, but um, You know, we had two people that that were in our small group. we say that they had a loved one pass away, but they actually were in our small group. The people that passed away were in our small group. And it was tough on us for leaders, as as leaders. Um, We grieved, um, we mourned, but we also had to be there for the people who suffered the loss. And and that was tough, but it was, uh, it, it was awesome to be able to be there for them and to love on them and to grieve with them and God calls us to do that and for us to be in a small group to be experience that and be there for the people in our small group who are there for would be there for us
2: Mm -hmm. the sweetest blessing and the richness of small group are those moments when you've been together and you know each other's heart of hearts um it's just an intimacy in the relationship that's different because of our dependence on Jesus, and because we're plowing through scripture, because we're praying together, and because that depth of relationship is there with Jesus first and foremost, and then we get the awesome gift of having that depth of intimacy with each other, when the really difficult days come, it makes it more tolerable. Those are the people that are there in those moments um, when you just don't even have to ask. They're just there.
0: When uh, the day that uh, Ricky Brown was tragically killed, Pastor Heath from our Walt campus went over to Renee's house. Steve and Miriam went over to Renee's house. Actually, their entire small group went to her house that night and uh, were there for her. And then when Pam Gillette was, she's been battling uh, cancer for a couple of years. She, she was in the hospital, and back during the, the uh the quarantine, they wouldn't let visitors come to the hospital. And so on Easter Sunday, I remember Tom organized a Zoom call. Of course, none of us were able to go to church on Easter. We were all watching at home. Uh, but that day, Jennifer and I got on a Zoom call with Tom and Pam, and then their entire small group was on this, was on this Zoom call. And we, we were pay, praying for, for Pam. And uh, I just want to encourage you. That's the application today, is to get into a small group. Find a group of like-minded people that you can that you can do life with, a group of people that, that not only minister to you, but you can minister to them uh, as well. Uh, the creator of the universe said, it is not good for man to be alone. God created us to be in fellowship. He created us to have uh, relationships, and I want to encourage you. Yes, it's risky. It's risky to sign up. It's risky to take that step of faith. It's risky to To walk down somebody's driveway and you're about to enter into this, you know, small group setting. But the rewards far outweigh the risk. All right. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that uh, you created us for friendships and you created us uh, for relationships. And I thank you for... Uh, the deep bonds that so many people in our church have already because they're in small group with each other and they're doing life together and they're sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron. I pray for all of us, God, at, at this point in history, we need each other. We are better together. And I pray for all of our small groups, people, just to continue on, to keep the faith and keep pressing on. I pray for those who aren't in a small group, God, to find a group, find a group of people that they can share life with and, and do life with. It's so important for us, God, in this time uh, to have fellowship, to have relationships, to be in, in contact with others. And I just, I just pray for those people who are isolated right now, those, those people who are, who are by themselves. Maybe they're even in a crowd, but they're still lonely. I pray, God, that you're, you're going to bring the right people into their life. Uh, to encourage them. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.